0: I'm Phil Moorhart, senior editor of American Libraries, the magazine of the American Library Association, and this is Call Number with American Libraries. For more than a year, educators, school library workers, and administrators have been reacting and adapting to the challenges caused by the ongoing COVID-19 public health crisis accessibility issues, education issues, and burnout are dauntless and never-ending, but the need to do the job persists. Last spring, Gale and the American Library Association partnered to rejuvenate Gale's best practices for School Librarians Guide. For this Agents of Change 2.0 paper, ALA spoke to educators and administrators working through the crisis and surveyed more than 500 school librarians about their processes and points of view. Today, on this very special bonus episode of Call Number with American Libraries, sponsored by Gale, a Cengage company, Maggie Regan, senior editor of Books for Youth at Booklist, talks with Jessica Klinker, head librarian at Franklin Heights High School in Columbus, Ohio, one of the librarians whose feedback helped shape the agents of Change 2.0 paper about her experiences working during the pandemic, the pandemic's effect on students, the importance of social-emotional learning, and more. Here's their conversation.
1: Hi, i'm maggie reagan i'm a senior editor books for youth at booklist um, and i'm here today with jessica clinker uh, jessica can you tell us a little bit about yourself sure
2: um, my name is jessica clinker i am the head librarian at franklin heights high school in southwestern city school district which is in the columbus ohio area and this is my 21st year as an educator and my 16th or 17th year as being a librarian I lost track, but um, I've worked the entire gamut from K through 12 and um, private, public, charter, all the different types of school settings. So, um, you know, I love my job. I love what I do.
1: Well, Jessica, last spring we talked to you. The American Library Association partnered with Gale to put together um, a list of resources for educators who have been trying to teach through the pandemic and have been. Working on them um, doing their jobs in the midst of change and upheaval um, and your feedback was really helpful in putting together this list of standards um, for educators for teachers, librarians and. I'm just curious now, as we're speaking to you, um, it's fall, it's the start of a new school year, it's the start of a second school year um, in these kind of pandemic conditions where nothing is the same right? for a lot of people. What has it been like for you coming back to the classroom this year, knowing things are different?
2: I think a lot of us for a long time, and we keep using that like normal word of like, when are we gonna return to normal? And I think one of the things, if anything, that we're taking back or taking from this situation is like, well, maybe we need to reevaluate that word normal because clearly the pandemic is still impacting us. We are at least all in and we have all of our students here. And so there are a lot of things that are back to quote unquote normal, at least like how we remember operating but yet we are still impacted by things like wearing masks and contact tracing and having students who may be absent for our classes for a week or two at a time. So it's still impacting us. And so I think what I would say it's, we're learning is just like that key flexibility and meeting people where they are and just being prepared to roll with it and go with it. And like you do the best you can in the situation that you have. Most of last year was a blended situation. Um, and we did have a few periods of all virtual and then just a very brief time when people were all back in. But I just feel like I see the students so excited to be back in school this year. And like I mentioned, I work with high school and so sometimes high school students can have that um, quote unquote, too cold for school attitude. But this year, I just am finding that when we are giving them things to do, they like truly are enjoying being back at school, even the quote unquote corny things that teachers ask them to do. They're like, "Okay, as long as I get to stay at school, I'll do whatever you need me to do. Um, And so I think that there's this renewed energy for all of us being back and the appreciation of what social situations give us in our life. Well, is there anything
1: that you learned from last year's response to the shutdowns that you've been able to carry into your teaching this year?
2: Um, I think for myself and just speaking more systemically, like when I work with my colleagues and everything, I think that flexibility um, and dealing with the situations you have and recognizing there's no such thing as like the quote unquote perfect scenario. Sometimes we have to adjust our strategies, and our structures, and our formats, and a lot of different things um, to make it work with the students that are sitting in front of us, and also uh, with the situations that are presented to us. And then a really beautiful conversation that our building is currently having is we're all reading the book, Grading for Equity. And it's uh, making us rethink, like, what do grades mean? And how do we grade? And what are we grading? And the emphasis on mastery based grading, um, which really takes away things like penalizing students for late work and penalizing students for things um, that really have nothing to do whether they learned the content or not. And I think I believe that having been through the last year and a half really primed our teachers for being able to think about this in a different way. Because I think it helped us shift our mindset to f- focus on what's important um, in terms of what students understand rather than is it a day late, um, you know, or is it turned in on paper that has fringes versus the paper that doesn't have fringes and those kinds of things that all of us have been guilty at some time or another, maybe focusing on something that really isn't as important as we used to think it was
1: we put together eight best practice standards uh, for librarians. And the second one, which is called Share Your Resources, is where we incorporated a lot of your feedback from our interviews last year. Um, And you talked a ton about the importance of collaboration and pooling resources. And I'm just curious to know, um, just through the remote learning and the distance learning last year, and I guess coming back now, is your approach to that, has that changed at all? Um, Or I guess strengthened now that you're back in the building? Um, yes,
2: we have four licensed media specialists in our district. Um, Each of our high school buildings has one. So we have four high schools and uh, during our time at home at the beginning, the four of us, I think we're kind of like, okay, (laughs) how am I a librarian when I don't have a library to be physically in? Like what, what do my services look like? And one of the things we started was during our work from home and even during blended, we had a weekly online meeting where we as a team met and we're having conversations. And so we started a lot more purposeful things that we planned together, like um, both in what we were offering in our resources, but also in how we were purchasing. So like we, and we also had to start purchasing a lot more digital Materials, of course, to meet the demands of our students being at home. And so um, we started purchasing all of our ebooks at a district level, uh, with the four of us combining and that was like our social emotional learning ones that we purchased through Gale, and then all of the um, Follett titles that we put into our destiny catalog. Ohio has just created a shared consortium for digital materials that is um, through Mackin. And because of our experiences working together, we were able to loop in our district curriculum director and now at the district level, so it's not coming out of our building decision, but at the district level, we are opted into the state consortium for shared ebooks, which means that our students are going to have thousands and thousands of titles that will be dropped right into the same access point as all of our other digital titles in the space of two years, we went from having zero, pretty much zero books that students could read for pleasure um, through digital format to now thousands at their fingertips. And that, I really don't think we would have made that change as rapidly um, or as well as we have done it without the impetus of having to work from home and thinking of a virtual landscape. Um, And then you mentioned
1: SEL in there, and I think almost every single person we talked to for this paper discussed how important social emotional learning is for students, and especially during this time, which has been, I think, largely kind of traumatic on on kids who are in transition. So just as we're moving into the second pandemic year, I can only imagine this has become more important. And I was wondering if you could just share a few things about how you and your fellow educators are prioritizing the social emotional learning.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, our district has this thing called a panorama survey, and I honestly don't know, like what the company or organization that it's coming from is, but I do know that the purpose is drilling into uh, surveying staff and students in our entire district about their attitudes related to things for social emotional learning, and just the other day, our district started um, our building. They released some of our results from last year's survey so that teachers could start digging into the material. And a lot of the questions were things like, how welcome, and it was like a student survey, how welcome do you feel in school? How recognized do you feel? Do you feel like the teachers care about you as a person, as an individual? Do you feel like, um, you know, your presence is important? Do you feel connected? All those types of really, those types of questions. And the results are eye-opening about like we as teachers can believe we i mean we all are in it for the kid we all love our students and we if you asked us i'm sure we would have all said yes they of course they feel welcome i spent so much time with that but then maybe they don't actually see it the same way we do and so i think those results are going to be driving a lot of our work I think this year and in the years to come of what really does help a student feel like they are an important part of our building and they as a person as an individual are necessary to our community like I personally help with the link leader program which is um I train I help with a couple other colleagues we train juniors and seniors to be mentors and they work with the incoming freshmen they run freshman orientation and then they do several events throughout the year um, and meetups and stuff with their freshmen to just help freshmen feel like they are part of our community and help with that um freshman year such a critical make or break it year in terms of success and um like last year that program of course with the we had it, but it was so hard to do, like everything last year. And so this is our fourth year having it. And we're really seeing an amazing thing because it's the first time where all of the link leaders also had been through the program as freshmen. And so when they are doing it, I think there's just this buy-in of like them remembering themselves, how important it was to have that upperclassmen mentor. And so we're seeing it. I think it's really starting to like take root um, and then, our, of course, our PBIS, which I think is something you would find in most every school. It's positive behavior intervention support. Um, and we just do a lot of different programs to recognize students who are stepping up in the classroom in a lot of different ways, not just academically. Um, and just doing some different things to call attention to all the ways that you are part of a community here and recognized and being part of it.
1: Cool. was there anything else you wanted to add or how are
2: you feeling about the future um well the main thing i i think in terms of what i add like i'm just a big component student choice and voice at and all parts of the building i just whenever we're doing anything are you listening to what the students are actually saying and letting them take ownership of the experience sometimes like are you telling them this is what we're going to learn or are you saying this is like, how do you want to learn how showing them um, just to to take ownership of their own success. And I think when we involve that and bring that into the component, a lot of other things start to fall in place as well, and help our like, listen to what they have to say, I think a lot of people underestimate where our uh, young people's minds are. And I think when you actually do invite them into the conversation, they have a lot of really deep and spot on observations that can make a big difference in how we um, do things. And I think in terms of the future, like um, I'm feeling, like I feel, I feel optimistic. I think um, like, I I know it's a pain we have to, we are still mask optional, right? As of right this moment in our current building, but a lot of student people are doing it and stuff. and. It is still there like it's it's not gone, but I think we're all just living it like I think a lot of it's not um, I at least I don't see the students like being wore down by this it's just another thing that we go on about our lives and continue and I think we just continue to offer our students an opportunity to shine, even in the midst of this because I think life is always going to throw you something, right? And this is just our something right now.
0: That wraps this very special bonus episode of Call Number with American Libraries. Many thanks to Maggie Regan and Jessica Klinker for joining us today. And of course, to Gail, a Cengage company, today's sponsor.